0: Good morning to you. Good to be back here and lovely to see all of you here. I'm sure you feel welcome because there's such a relaxed, happy feeling in this church, isn't there? And how wonderful to be able to just welcome a new little one in to be able to pray, nurture, love her, and send her out. And and we're just with you, knowing that, that we're gonna help to bring her up in the way of the Lord, that she, as a little eaglet, will be able to soar into her full potential and reach those magnificent heights that the Lord means for all of us in Jesus Christ. It's an exciting life to be belonging to the living God and to have him working in us and through us. I use the word eaglet very carefully because scripture is full of references to mother and father eagle looking after the little eaglets. It's amazing as I've done studies I often just follow themes and the moment I've been doing eagles there are so many. I'm going to look at just a few and then we'll look at one particular passage and go a little bit deeper into that. But in Exodus, which is one of the earliest books of the Bible, that's when Moses, remember him, brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. They were slaves to the Pharaoh in Egypt. They worked so hard, terrible conditions, and through a series of miraculous interventions by God, Pharaoh said, let the people go, (laughs) and Moses took two million or so into the wilderness. But... They were very rebellious. Now, you might be sitting there thinking how sweet these little ones are, and then they grow up and you think, my goodness, I've had problems of rebellious kids. But just think for Moses for a moment, two million. And they were always complaining and whining and doing the wrong thing. But God never stopped loving them. He loved them with an unconditional love. He loved them regardless, but kept drawing them back. So with that in mind, let's read Exodus 19, 4 and 6. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Isn't that an extraordinary metaphor with this powerful God who's done amazing miracles to talk so tenderly, not about religion, but about relationship. A mother eagle carrying and bringing her to herself. It's beautiful. He said, I dealt with the enemies, and I just let me carry you. It's remarkable. Another one, Deuteronomy 32 verse 11 says, like the eagle that stirs up its nest, there it is again, and hovers over its young, spreading its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. I just sense that the Lord wants to love us in a way that's gonna lift us up from the dust. He doesn't mean for us to be pecking like chickens in the dust. His plan is for us to be like eagles who soar. And here he just speaks so tenderly with such pure love about lifting us up and carrying us to a higher place. It's amazing that Moses was saying these words just before he died. Of all the things he could have spoken about, he goes back to the eagle because the eagle is referred to from the very first books which were written. Exodus was actually 1446 BC. There's a lot of historical records from the Persians, from the Babylonian cylinder that that's when the Israelites left and went into Sinai. So from 1400s, the mid 1400s, these words were written powerful words about the intimacy of God's love for his children, that he's never stopped loving them. I'm going to go through just a couple of scriptures that talk about this vivid picture of the parent eagle to give you a sense of eagles. But he means us to soar. And I'd like us to look at, there's a picture of an eagle that's going to come up, a bald eagle, but it's We are to soar like eagles, that's my talk today. And if you just feel that you're scratching in the dust, I wanna encourage you, you are made to soar like an eagle. He says it right from the first chapters of the Bible, right to the last book of Revelation, soar like an eagle. In Deuteronomy 28 verse 49, there's characteristics of eagles talking about the swiftness of flight. It's amazing. 2 Samuel 1, verse 23, I've got all of these notes. If you'd like to get the scriptures, there will be a podcast, so you don't have to be scratching around to get lots of notes done. But eagles don't flap frantically. Eagles soar. They just have a couple of downward movements and then they mount up. And I believe that's what the Lord wants in our faith. Not for us to be flapping wildly and panicking, but to be just trusting and letting him work through us and in us. In Job 39, there's a beautiful description of the eagle making its nest high up in the crags, and this is what they do. So accurate, right up in the cliffs, and Job says in verse 29, from those cliffs, its eye detects its prey And in fact, that's exactly it, because eagles have got the most amazing 20-20 vision. Do you know that they can see a rabbit three and a half kilometers away? That's like us standing on a 10-story building and seeing a little ant at the bottom. It's an amazing sight. That's the eagle's perfect sight. Job 9 says, with an arrow-like downward plunge, it grabs its prey. And eagles have been recorded at plunging downwards at nearly 300 kilometers an hour. That's faster than the Formula One races that you're going to see this afternoon. It's amazing, isn't it? That's the eagle. Do you get the feeling you're not meant to be going, with the chickens? He wants us to soar like eagles, these mighty birds. That's what his plan is for us. But it's all this relationship of trusting him, loving him, and letting him love us. The eagle's vision is matchless, it's razor sharp, it's very complex. They've got three sets of eyelids. So when they fly through dust storms and through rain, they've almost got like a windscreen wipe of wind going. They can see, it's extraordinary. And you know what I love? When they're pursued, sometimes we've seen eagles by pursued by condors or even bigger birds of prey. Do you know what eagles do? There's 60 different species of eagles or more, but generally they can fly straight to the sun because they've got this nictitating membrane. Now what an amazing parallel that is. They fly straight to the sun and then all the other birds just fall away because they can't stand that dazzle. So if you see that the parallels of what Scripture is saying, where God cares for us so intimately, so lovingly, so tenderly as the parent eagle for the little eaglet, that's what he means for us. If only we just wait on him to get the surge of his power and follow straight to the son who is the son of righteousness. In Psalm 84, it says that he is my son and my shield. The Persians, the Assyrians, the Romans, they all had the eagle as their symbol because it's such a mighty, magnificent bird. In fact, 10% of countries in the world have got the eagle. Germany has, and the flag, America, Mexico, the Philippines. It's amazing because this is such a powerful bird. That's what the Lord means for you. Not to be scrabbling in the dust, but to soar. When eagles come into a storm, It's fascinating, storms usually are about 2,000 meters, the rain clouds, but eagles have been known to wait and then go up on the surging currents of air above the storms. They've been recorded at 4.2 kilometers up, can you believe that? That is higher than a commercial helicopter, but that's our eagle just soaring mightily above the storm. And if we can start putting into practice some of the things we learn from scripture of just how we can deal with the things that come along, I know that we will be taken to a very special place of intimacy and closeness with the Lord. But it all starts with a little eaglet in the nest. And we've learned how they have these nests high up. Eagles mate for life, so they've got the same mate, and they go back generally to the same nest. And sometimes these nests get up to one to two tons in weight, they're huge, because they just keep adding on. But when the, little, when the egg is um, first laid, it's about a baseball size, There's a lot of padding. The mother eagle has put moss and feathers to make it soft for the eaglet. They've got about a 12 to 15 week incubation where they they just sit and then they grow. The little one's fed all the time with fresh meat because they're not scavengers like vultures unless they're in dire circumstances. So the little one's taught how to tear the meat and the little one's fed until it grows bigger and bigger. And then you know an extraordinary thing happens, not with all the species, but with some the parent birds start taking the soft things out of the nest. So it's getting a bit pokey and a bit uncomfortable. And then they actually give it less food so that it's getting hungry and uncomfortable and a bit frustrated. And there are a lot of really comic ways of, that I've seen portraying how these little eaglets actually get to the edge and they look down at this huge cliff and they think, you gotta be kidding, she's not edging me to the side of this. But you know, our Lord God is a loving father. He's not gonna push you into something that he doesn't know you can handle. Remember what we read right at the beginning, how the mother bird carries, the mother bird's there to hover over and protect? That's our loving God that's our loving God. But I really believe that many of us might be sitting in a nest We are feeling so uncomfortable and so frustrated, and we don't realize that it's beginning to poke us because we should be moving on to something higher, better, that the Lord has got planned for our lives. So, come with me. Deuteronomy 32, as an eagle tears up its nest... Maybe that's happening to you. Let's have a look now at Isaiah chapter 40 for a couple of verses, some amazing verses, which says Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Maybe you're sitting there today feeling, that's me. I just haven't got that power. I'm feeling very weary. Be encouraged because what Isaiah is saying here is that's the very way that he can start working in your life. Because even youths grow tired and weary and young men will stumble and fall. And even the toned, honed youngsters who are super fit inside can have an emptiness and something lacking. But those who hope in the Lord, some translations say who wait on the Lord, will renew their strength and they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not faint. These are amazing words that Isaiah wrote. To me what's striking is when you start studying the Bible and people like Isaiah who wrote 700 years before Christ was born, Isaiah wrote this with great authority because he knew it was true that if you wait on the Lord, if you trust and rely on him, you will soar like an eagle. And that's a mighty, the mightiest bird because God will do it. He knew that. Isaiah also wrote two remarkable prophecies, mind-blowing in their stage. One was in Isaiah 7 where it talks about a virgin conceiving. Now that just seems an impossibility. But Isaiah actually wrote that. A virgin will conceive and bear a son and his name will be Emmanuel. God with us. And he was foretelling Jesus who would come. The second thing, which is equally remarkable, he foretold that the Savior would be a suffering servant and he would die for us. That's Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53. Now, to the Jews, the Messiah was coming, but he would be the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and come in glory and a golden chariot and get rid of the Romans. But Isaiah was writing to say that he first had to take on him all the sins all the things that blocked us off from really experiencing the fullness of God's life in us and that's the cross how extraordinary that this Isaiah that we're reading about foretold those 700 years before they actually happened many critics at the time thought well this isn't going to be true And some people, even in the early 1910s, 1920s, thought that's been added in afterwards by some other writers. But in 1947, a little goat herd was looking after his goats near the Dead Sea, and he threw in a rock to a cave to try and get the goats out, and he heard pottery breaking. So he went in and had a look, and there were these amazing vials, dozens of them, with curled up scrolls inside. And he ran out to call the elders, And these are the Dead Sea Scrolls, which you would have heard about. 1947 they were discovered. They were written by Isaiah 700 years before. The whole of the Book of Isaiah was perfectly kept intact in there. And because of the saltiness and the dryness, they are there for everyone to read. It was not added in later. (laughs) That is our God, inspiring this man of old to write amazing things. Now that same Isaiah, our Isaiah, said, you wait and you will soar. That's the way it works. That's who God is. But waiting isn't a very popular pastime, is it? I was at a queue this last week and um, was in the post office and I was actually just, because I was reading this, fascinated to see how people wait. And you've been in queues, you know, for government departments, and so people start tapping their feet, looking at their watch all the time. There was one chap who had this sort of nervous twitch, and he kept getting so frustrated, and others kept sighing and rolling. There was one lady who Folded her arms and turned the other way, as if that would hurry things up. So I you just get so frustrated waiting, because waiting is not what we do. You know, in this day and age when everything happens instantly. But also in the holidays, we were at the beach and their kids who've been hot and bothered, and then they see the curly whirly ice cream van. My goodness, there's a queue lining up and everybody's excited. (laughs) They're standing in line, they're peering around the side to see who's buying what and they're looking at all the pictures and you can see that they're almost tasting this ice cream and they're so excited to see what's there. That's a very different queue. And I believe that what Isaiah is saying, that those who wait on the Lord he's a good God, he loves you, he knows what's best for you, wait with hopeful expectation, no matter how long it takes, because he will help you to soar like an eagle, that's what Isaiah said, with great authority, and I believe that. I want to ask you a personal question, what are you waiting for? Maybe it's that dream house that you've always longed for. Maybe it's that soulmate that you just believed you would find someone who you would love and would love you and and you would be happy. And it's just taken so long. Maybe it's a baby that you've also longed for and you're just not able to conceive and have a little one. Maybe a financial breakthrough. Maybe you just battled with illness and you keep believing you will be healed and just not happening. I really want to encourage you because we don't know why we have to wait so long sometimes, but God knows that you're waiting. And if you start reading in the scriptures about the people who waited, I mean, these are real characters. They're not, they're not sort of stained glass window saints. People like Abraham and Sarah, he was promised a child, a son, when he was 75 years old, It is a pretty good age. And he had to wait 25 years. 25 years. There were times that he really did give up. And in fact, we can read in Genesis that he laughed. And he fell on his face. And he thought, how can this be? How can Sarah, because she's, she's also an old lady. And the, the words are dried up. 90 years old. But they had Isaac. He came along, but he had to wait. And the same as Joseph. When he was in prison, he was... He was put into slavery by his brothers who were jealous. I mean, he had so many bad things happen to him. And if you look at Joseph, I mean, you can put unfair, unfair in capital letters all over his life. He was only 17. He was a kid when he was thrown into the pit. And his um, robe of many colors was given back to the dad. But He waited. He waited. And he had that sense of expectation, no matter where he was. And I think the prisons in those days must have been appalling. But he didn't come out bitter. And we read later, in Genesis 50, when there was a famine at his homeland and the brothers came to Egypt to beg for grain, they saw this man. They didn't know it was Joseph, grown up. He was 30 years old then. Think of all the years he'd suffered, but he had just been promoted to work in service to the Pharaoh. He wasn't angry with them. He was gracious to them. He said, don't be afraid. He kept saying that, don't be afraid. I'm gonna look after you. I will provide for you and your little ones. That, I believe, is soaring. That is soaring. Because it's not natural. It's supernatural. And that's the difference. As we ask the Lord to come into our lives to take away all the clutter and mess that's just keeping us downcast, that's when we start to sense this surge. Should we read in the message Bible? It should come up on the screen. There's a a very conversational way of doing this Isaiah. I often use the the Amplified Bible because I love the Greek and the exact words, but the Message Bible is really good. It's very conversational. The same chapters that we've just read before. Why would you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine, Israel, saying, God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what's happened to me. Isaiah says, don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? Are you paying attention? God doesn't come and go, he lasts. He's creator of all you can see and imagine. He doesn't get tired out, doesn't pause to catch his breath, and he knows everything inside out. I love this, he energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to drop outs. Even young folk in their prime stumble and fall, but those who wait upon God get fresh strength They spread their wings and they soar like eagles. (laughs) They run and they don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. He does energize and give fresh strength. It's all in scripture. You remember when God created Adam? It's in Genesis 2. He made Adam and then he breathed into his nostrils and he became a living being. We read in John 20 when Jesus sent the disciples out, what did he do? He breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, the breath, the wind, the ruach of God is the energizing Holy Spirit who gives us power. The Greek word is pneuma, like pneumatic tires. P-N-E-U-M-A. It's almost if you've been in a turbocharged car, you can almost feel that... Kick in, and it's like that. So, I want to tell you a story which is true about somebody called Eric Little, a Scotsman who in 1924 was running for Great Britain in the 100 metres. And he knew he would probably win the race. He was the favourite and the fastest, probably the fastest man alive at that stage. What happened? He was a deeply committed Christian, and the preheat was on a Sunday. He wanted to worship God on Sunday and honor God, so he didn't run. Do you know the press hounded him? The Prince of Wales called him and said, you've got to run. You're representing your country. But he said, I honor God first. He really did. And you know, when that heat was being run, he went to a little Presbyterian church in Paris. And you know what the reading was that day? Isaiah 40, it's true. Verse 31, those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. And he thought, well, I've missed my race, but he just knew that was true. (laughs) Amazingly, he had an opportunity when he got back to the team, they said, could you run the 400 meters? He'd never run the 400 meters. He'd always run the 100 meters and had been the fastest. The 400 meters? He said, yes, it's not on a Sunday. He ran and you know what happened. He ran and he started at such a blistering pace that all the critics were saying, he's never gonna finish. He's burning himself out because he's going far too fast. You can't run that fast and keep it up for 400 meters. He'd never run it before. He ran, and if you've seen Chariots of Fire, it's just extraordinary. I mean, he just went. He won. He set a new world record as the fastest man for the 400 meters. Isn't God good? God honored him. God honored him. He'd been meditating on this very verse that we've been looking at. and when they interviewed him afterwards his words were they said how did you do it he said well i ran the first hundred meters as fast as i could but then he said i felt energized to run the rest and that's that turbocharge kicking in (laughs) i just love it so it's beautiful what the lord can do it's beautiful what the lord can do I've shared a lot of things about eagles, their vision, the speed, the chase, how they get through storms, how they go to the sun. Now I'd like to ask you to just close your eyes and and let's pray. Loving Father, loving Heavenly Father, it's so beautiful that you use a metaphor of an eagle with its young to talk about your relationship with us that everlasting love you have for us that we don't deserve, but you chase after us, you woo us, you carry us. And if we're feeling we're in a dark, dark place that nobody quite understands, the loneliness, the long wait, oh Lord, may we just realize that he who dwells in the shadow of the almighty, you will be covering us with your feathers And that if it's very dark, it's because we're under the shelter of your wings. Keep us close to you, knowing you, loving you, serving you. And help us, Lord, to be open to you, to breathe in us so that we will soar like eagles and fulfill the destiny that you have called us to be. To the glory of your name, Amen.